Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us as always at rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can tweet at us, tst underscore underscore radio on Twitter, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. If you visit our website, thesecretteachings.info, you'll find our archive. So if you missed a show or if you missed part of a show, you can go back and listen for free. There's also links to all of the radio and podcast players. Or you can just type the name of the show in the secret teachings on those players. If your show is not updating, by the way, some people have asked me recently why the show hasn't updated. And I ask them, what's the date of the last update? And they tell me back in January. And I ask them, okay, well, you clearly haven't you know, listened to the show for a while, so you don't know. We, you know, we had to change our Apple feeds and the feeds into all the players and, and all that. So you'll have to research the name, The Secret Teachings, and you should be able to find it. Or it's just easier to go to the website. If you go to our website, there's a link in, you know, to everything uh, under the, uh, the free archive. Otherwise, you can subscribe to the show archive, which is what financially supports us when you subscribe to the show or buy a book. There's links to the books on the website. You're going to get, a- you're going to get access to everything. You're going to get access to the digital copies of my books, the montages, and all the shows without those monetized advertisements. It's all at www.thesecretteachings.info. And that's also where you can find our affiliate sponsors. Again, we don't get paid to do this. It's only through your support that we are on air five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. So I just got finished writing a new book, and I haven't come up with a subtitle yet. It's the, the title of the book is called Liberty Shrugged, and it's a very simple book. It's a little bit of history, and it's a little bit of natural law, and it's not preaching to anybody. I'm not trying to promote an idea per se, but I just go into a little bit of the history of the American Civil War, the American Revolution, I talk about the concepts of uh, what it means to be a responsible citizen. Just some very basic stuff that isn't taught in school anymore. And I'm bringing this up. The book's not available for sale yet, so this isn't a plug. But I'm bringing this up because I was, I was editing it last night. I was reading through it and editing it. And I had a section on the three branches of government. And I was editing this part about the, the judicial branch, about the, you know, the courts and the Supreme Court. And it just, every time I hear the word court, it just, the, the response that people had to the, to the abortion decision in, in the case of Dobbs, I want to say it surprised me, but it, it didn't surprise me that virtually nobody that I know, including a lot of people in the, the radio business, understand how the, the court system works. And that's not anybody's fault. I mean, I had to study uh, extensively, and I still don't understand about 80% of it. But there's some very basic elements, very, very basic elements that are pretty you know, easy to understand, and they have nothing to do with the judicial system. Uh, one of those elements is the fact that people want to get rid of the Supreme Court because of this abortion decision, but if you go to the Supreme Court's website, Supreme Court of the United States, go to their website, 
they have their their docket and they have the list of uh, you know the list of cases and their decisions in those cases. And one of the most recent cases involves immigration. And contrary to you know what a lot of people might assume about the Supreme Court, whether there's a majority Republican justices or a majority Democrat justices or whatever, in a case involving immigration. Uh, dealing with uh, Trump era policy, the Supreme Court actually ruled in favor of 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 the Biden administration. And did you hear that in the news? I would assume you didn't. So I want you to think about that for a second. Yes, the Supreme Court ruled that states get to make abortion laws now, which as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, that's where the power should rest. That's where the power should reside. I believe the Supreme Court had authority to actually ban abortion in all 50 states, but they didn't because they left the issue up to the states. So regardless of what you think of abortion, though, people wanted to they want to get rid of the Supreme Court. It's just rhetoric and some of its violent rhetoric. Uh, This guy named Nicholas, (laughs) excuse me, Nicholas, he tried to assassinate. um, I believe it was uh, Kavanaugh. He tried to assassinate one of the Supreme Court justices. You know, you'll, you'll hear all about the Highland Park shooting, but nothing about this psychopath a Riddler-like character who tried to assassinate a Supreme Court judge just a few weeks ago. You hear nothing about that. All we hear about is how the Supreme Court is fascist and the Supreme Court made decisions we didn't like, but then when the Supreme Court makes decisions you do like, then you you shut your mouth. And I hope that you can understand the, the, the foolishness and the asinineness and the hysteria and the, and the emotion where... We, we do not step back and look at the situation for, for what it really is. If the Supreme Court is fascist, <laughs> if it's fascist, I mean, I, listen, I'm a legal scholar. I like legalese. I like reading legal texts. Call me a nerd. Call me whatever. But I laugh. I laugh at it because it's, it's preposterous. The Supreme Court is not fascist. You don't know what fascist means. Okay. So when you look at the, the, the immigration decision, Nobody cared. But the funny thing is the immigration decision is kind of sandwiched between these these other decisions, uh, whether it's, you know, the case of Dobbs or it's the uh, the case, a recent case of West Virginia versus the EPA. Supreme Court recently ruled in another case, West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency. And in that case, the EPA's ability to curb carbon pollution was slightly set back. The Supreme Court said that the, the EPA does not have this, uh, this immense amount of power that uh, many people who believe you know, in, in climate change and many people who work for the, work for the federal government and the Biden administration and, and, and others, uh, that, that they believe that they have. So the EPA saw their power slightly curtailed by this Supreme Court deci- uh, decision. Now, if you, it, it, it's funny because if you go back and you look, I'm looking at it right now, the supremecourt.gov website, you see the Dobbs decision made back on the 24th, June 24th, and you see this EPA decision made on the 30th of uh, June. So this was just like a week or so ago. But then if you, if you look into... Um, Look into the middle of it. You're going to find case, uh, you know, additional cases, 
and you're going to find cases that deal with, uh, well, immigration. You're also going to find uh, back on the 23rd of June, the case dealing with uh, guns, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Buren. Now, I'm not expecting you to understand or to be interested in this subject like I am, and we're not going to discuss this, you know, all night. But I want you to look at the Supreme Court's website, go to supremecourt.gov, look at the cases, look at Dobbs, look at the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, look at West Virginia versus EPA. These are big cases. So one deals with guns, one deals with abortion, one deals with climate issues. But there's also another case there. There's another case that deals with uh, immigration. There's a case that deals with uh, immigration to which the Supreme Court actually voted in favor of the Biden administration. That you cannot you know, prevent uh, immigrants from Mexico uh, from staying in the country while their papers are processed. You, you, have to, you have to allow them to stay in the country. You can't prevent them from coming into the country. Now, that, that's more of a, let's call it, left-leaning point of view, right? That's what a lot of people on the left would like. They would like just come across the border, it's fine, paperwork or not. But nobody's upset about that. And that's, that's the big question. Why? Why is nobody upset about that case? Everybody's okay with that case. Why? I bet you didn't even know about that case. Why? Because the media didn't tell you to be happy or sad about it. And that's the point. The media never told you to be happy or sad about it, so you don't have an opinion. The media told you to be really upset about the gun issue. They told you to be really upset about the abortion issue. They told you to be really upset about the EPA issue but they didn't tell you to be upset or even to be happy about the issue of immigration. And why is that? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. And it's something that worked in the favor of the, of the status quo. So it's like nobody cares because that's what was supposed to happen. Now that attitude of that's what was supposed to happen, which a lot of people don't know they even have because they weren't told about the case or the dozens of other cases. You don't have enough time to, to even look through these cases, let alone read them all. They're hundreds. Some of them are hundreds of pages long. The abortion case was 213 pages. These aren't black and white, one-page, one-line decisions. They're more complex than that, way more complex than that. For example, the case of West Virginia versus the EPA has to do with, with coal and electricity generation, and, and greenhouse gases. Once again, if you actually read the case, I haven't read all 89 pages, but I read you know, a, a couple of pages here or there throughout the case just to see exactly what the court was saying. And here's what the court said in regard to greenhouse gas emissions and in regard to electricity-producing plants. It said, Among the most significant of the entities it regulates, that's the EPA, are fossil fuel-fired, mainly coal and natural gas-fired power plants. Today, those electricity-producing plants are responsible for about one-quarter of the nation's greenhouse gas emissions. The court says, curbing that output is a necessary part of any effective approach to addressing or for addressing climate change. So, if you go back to the federal judge in Florida who overturned the mask mandate for transportation, she said the CDC did not have the authority to do what they did, how they did it. 
and they did not inform the public or allow public comment, and they basically they basically took the statute that, that they claimed that they had the power to do this uh, based on, and they blew it out of context. So they didn't actually have the power that they had. So the federal judge struck down the, uh, the mask mandate on transportation, right? But if you read, I read all 69, 68, 69 pages of that decision, and the judge actually said that she agreed, the court agreed that masks should be worn. But the CDC didn't have the authority, based on what they claimed, to implement that policy. Now, I know this might just sound like rambling, and it might sound like, you know, very nerdy talk or legalese or whatever that just sounds boring. But I, 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 want, I want to repeat that. I want you to really understand where I'm coming from. The federal judge in Florida, the Trump appointee who everybody made fun of because, oh, she, how is she a woman? And she's, in, she's in a federal judge. She's too young to be a federal judge. Yeah. So, you know, the sexism and, and the discrimination because she didn't, you know, rule in one case the way they wanted her to rule, just like with abortion. So there's one, this judge, she makes the decision on the masks on transportation, public transportation, planes, buses. But she says, although the CDC doesn't have the authority based on what they claim to implement this, the court still believes that it, it, is, a, it is a good idea to wear the masks on the, on the transportation, planes, buses, etc. Now, is that you know, political correctness? Is that saving face? What, what, what exactly is that? No, that's the court agreeing that, yeah, you probably should wear a mask, but the CDC just didn't have the authority to enforce it. Did that stop anybody from making these nasty comments about the judge? Did that stop anybody from making nasty comments about Trump? For, uh, Trump gets brought into it for some reason. Nobody even read the decision. Okay, I sat down and read the whole thing because I wanted to know exactly what the decision was. And what I found in the decision was that the court actually kind of agreed with the other side of the political spectrum. They were like, yeah, you probably should be wearing a mask, but they just can't force you to do it. Did either side bring that up? No, unless you read the 60-something pages, you didn't know that. It's the same thing with abortion. Did you know that if you read the Dobbs decision, 213 pages, it actually says in the decision, referencing Roe, that your right to abortion was never considered absolute. And if you go back and read Roe in 1973, this isn't about what your opinion is or what your politics are, by the way. This is about what the, how the court system works. So if you go back and you read Roe in 1973, they'll actually tell you in that case, this is what the Supreme Court decided, your right to abortion is not absolute and states can regulate it, which is what they said in 1992 as well. My point to all of this is, go back to West Virginia versus the EPA decision from about a week ago, and everybody's upset about this in the media again. Oh, they're the Republicans are trying to prevent climate change legislation. They're trying to prevent the curbing of carbon emissions and the curbing of greenhouse gases. And they hate the environment and the planet. But if you read the court case, it actually says curbing that output of greenhouse gas emissions is a necessary part of any effective approach for addressing climate change. The court actually agrees that we should be curbing carbon emissions. We should be carbing, uh, curbing greenhouse gas emissions. Do you see what I mean? The court doesn't make unilateral baseless decisions. It doesn't matter if you agree with them or you disagree with them. That's not how the system works. You might not always get the, 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 the resolution that you want, but that's what happens when you live in a democracy. You don't always get what you want, but everything is supposed to be based on the rule of law, which does protect 
everybody. You just don't. Fairness doesn't mean that you get what you want all the time. Fairness means there's a fair opportunity for everybody at some point to have a decision made in their favor. So in understanding that, if you look at this stuff, I read an article last night on the show right at the end of the broadcast where we talked about uh, gas prices. And at this point, if your friends or your family have, have not figured this out, because if you're listening to this show, I assume that you, you, you have figured this out. If your friends and family have not figured this out, uh, and I feel the same way about the people I know, uh, I don't think they ever are. The Associated Press reported yesterday that higher gas prices, sure, they, quote, hurt pockets, quote, unquote, but they're making a dent in emissions. Higher gas prices hurt pockets, make small dent in emissions. They tell you in the article from the Associated Press, gas prices in much of the United States shot past $5 a gallon last month before a slight drop and Americans have responded by driving a bit less. I told you that a month ago or a month and a half ago. That's the whole goal is to get you to drive less, get you to travel less. And that's according to the Associated Press and various what they call sets of data. They don't actually link the data. Why would they? You're just supposed to take their word for it. But I, I do believe that people aren't driving as much. It says June gas sales are about 5% below pre-pandemic 2019 levels and 2.6% below a year ago. That's according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Americans in April, the last month data was available, drove 6% fewer miles than the same month in 2019, according to transportation analyst Michael Sivak, a former professor from the University of Michigan. That 6% drop, they say, is tiny compared to the 40% plunge in driving miles in April 2020 as the pandemic hit. So there's a slight drop in driving miles because of gas prices. Still doesn't match the 40% plunge in driving miles in April of 2020 as the so-called pandemic kicked in. So I assume you figured this out by now. There are people that do not want you to drive. There are people that do not want you to own a car. There are people that do not want you to travel. And there are people that don't want you to leave your house. I hope you figured it out by now that this is a plan. It's not a conspiracy because a conspiracy is a conspiring of, of a couple of people or a couple of organizations, a couple of groups to do something, it could actually also be positive. You could conspire to plan a birthday party, a surprise party. But it's only a conspiracy if they don't tell you about it. If they tell you about it, it's just policy. It's just like it's not a conspiracy theory if it's an actual conspiracy. But it's not a conspiracy or a conspiracy theory if they're telling you what they're doing. And the Associated Press is telling you what they're doing. In fact, if you go back earlier this year, the International Energy Agency said that through emergency measures, we can quickly cut global oil demand by 2.7 million barrels a day. We could reduce the risk of damage to, a, um, you know, to the supply chain, to uh, you know, having this supply crunch. And they reference in this article the IEA, the IEA's 10-point plan. They have a 10-point plan. The International Energy Agency has a 10-point plan. Part of that 10-point plan includes not driving your vehicle on certain days of the week. 
The short-term actions it proposes include reducing the amount of oil consumed by cars through lower speed limits, working from home, occasional limits on car access to city centers, cheaper public transport, more carpooling, and other initiatives, and greater use of high-speed rail and virtual meetings instead of air travel. And then we could cut the oil demand. Now, this was months ago. This was like at the beginning of this year. And then after a while of blaming Putin, couldn't do that anymore, now we blame, uh, we blame the pandemic again. And the new line from the White Houses and the new line from you know, no, the, the mainstream media is, well, gas prices are high because people are driving again, so the demand is going up. Well, if, if we're driving as much as we were before the pandemic, uh, gas wasn't $5 a gallon before the pandemic. A lot of people were demanding gas. Life was, dare I say, normal. Now they're telling us gas prices, yeah, they're high. Yeah, it hurts, but it's making a small dent in emissions. We need to cut back on driving. We need to cut back on city driving and country driving. We need to cut back on transport in general. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave your house. Do your business. Do your pleasure. Do everything on the internet. Do everything inside your little prison cell. This is not a conspiracy theory, and it's not even a conspiracy. It's right there on the International Energy Agency website. It's right here in the Associated Press. They're just telling you what they're doing. Now, despite that, NASA published an article back in November of last year that showed even though carbon emissions had been reduced slightly because of the pandemic, well, they basically actually they, they, they were reduced, but they actually continued to grow in the atmosphere at the same rate. And methane actually was was recorded to have had its largest increase uh, in like a decade. Methane's worse than carbon dioxide. And methane increased because of the slight reduction in carbon dioxide. Because, well, it tampered with the, with the natural order of things like usual, and then bad things happen. So gas prices are high, but it's good because it's carbon emissions. It's doing what the International Energy Agency said they wanted to do months ago, and that was, well, curb your ability to drive. You know, Los Angeles is banning gas stoves. We've got now we've got a tick that when that when you this tick gets on you, you become allergic to red meat. I mean, this is the entire World Economic Forum plan. It's not a conspiracy or a conspiracy theory. It's just it's policy. We're going to talk about it when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. It's Friday night, and we'll be back. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From ground zero to The Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything. 
but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You're listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us. I think we've gotten to the point now where a conspiracy theory is not a conspiracy theory, and it's not even a conspiracy. It is policy. There's nothing conspiratorial about it. There's certainly no theories. We don't need a theory. We have public statements. We have open declarations. We have groups and individuals and politicians that openly speak about things that were conspiracies or were conspiracy theories to a lot of people recently. And now we have conspiracy theories and conspiracies that have just become policy. The COVID-19 pandemic did a lot of things that otherwise would never have been tried. And a lot of things all at once that otherwise would never have been tried and accomplished those things, including locking you in your home, terrifying you to make your own decision to not go outside, to not drive, to not see your family, to not see your friends, basically the removal of intimacy. It made you terrified of your neighbor, made you terrified of, of, of your community, of your church, of your, of your, uh, your grandma, your grandpa, your, even your husband and wife, maybe even your kids, made people terrified. You also didn't drive as much. 40% reduction 
by April of 2020, a 40% reduction in driving miles as the so-called pandemic began. 40% reduction. That's, I don't have to tell you, that's almost half. A 40% reduction. We were also told during the so-called pandemic that what we're witnessing around the world in terms of, of, of lockdowns is actually helping to curb greenhouse gas emissions. And we were told that lockdowns could possibly, at, very, at the very least in Europe, but also anywhere else in the world, in the United States as well, but we, we heard this first out of Europe, that lockdowns could be used for climate change. Because we're facing such a dire emergency, lockdowns could be used for climate change because it'll help curb the emissions, right? It's like curb your enthusiasm, but curb your emissions. They also want you to, incur, you know, to curb your enthusiasm because the, the, you know, clearly the, 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 the proper way to react to these things is hysteria. It's hysteria. Let me tell you why it's hysteria. NASA published a story discussing a journal entry in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences back in November of 2021. We talked about it on this show when it came out. We also talked about it a few months ago. It says the most surprising result of the, of the lockdowns and the pandemic was that while carbon dioxide emissions fell by 5.4% in 2020, that is related to a 40% plunge in driving miles, the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere continued to grow at about the same rate as in preceding years. In other words, yeah, carbon emissions fell a few percentage points, but carbon still continued to grow as normal on average, the growth rate continued to be the same as any year prior to that year, 2020. So a 40% reduction in driving miles is partly responsible for a 5.4% reduction in carbon emissions, carbon dioxide emissions, but CO2 in the atmosphere continued to grow at about the same rate in preceding years. But because this was done so quickly and so rapidly, I mean, we, I was talking about what was happening in China, supposedly, in December of the year before, in 2019, people thought I was crazy. And then January rolls around, gets a little more serious, and then we didn't really have full public awareness until, until sometime in February, early to mid-February. And then by February to March, we had uh, you know full-blown panic into April, and we had people that, you know... Uh, you know, they just decided uh, they're going to go along with playing pandemic. And 40%, a 40% reduction in driving miles in April of 2020 when the pandemic kicked in. I mean, people, you know, eventually some people realized, hey, this is not as bad as we were told, or this is a scam. So people started driving again. But a 40% reduction, that's a lot of, a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles. So a 40% reduction in April, That this is about the time when pan, when you know, full-blown panic set in for people. But what they don't tell you is the atmosphere is complex. The atmosphere is so complex that according to NASA, it's not my opinion, folks, this is according to NASA. NASA says 
that because of that slight reduction, that artificial rapid reduction, that 5.4% reduction in CO2, other things occurred in the atmosphere. The COVID-related drops in carbon dioxide also reduced nitrogen oxides, NOxes. That's also a, a good thing, right? But the problem is reducing nitrogen oxides and reducing carbon dioxides. This limited, according to NASA, this is a quote, limited the atmosphere's ability to cleanse itself of another important greenhouse gas, methane. The CO2 drop in emissions didn't decrease the concentration of methane in the atmosphere, they say. Instead, methane grew by 0.3% in the past year. That was as of 2019, so throughout the, the or 2020, excuse me, throughout 2020, that's how much, uh, 2019 to 2020. 2019 to 2020, methane, that's 2019 to 2020. And methane, for those of you who don't know, is a much heavier, much thicker greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So, yeah, we reduced carbon dioxide a little bit. We didn't drive. uh, We drove actually about 40% less as of April of 2020. But if you look at the overall data for what's happening in the atmosphere, NASA tells us methane actually increased, which is a worse and heavier greenhouse gas. So what did the prevention of driving by choice, but, you know, through fear, what did the prevention of driving do? What did this reduction in carbon dioxide actually do? It didn't do anything except, well, it, it helped to prevent the scrubbing of methane in the atmosphere, which makes, you know, makes, well, I supposedly makes the planet warmer. Well, this is, Na- this is what NASA is saying. This isn't like before it's news. This isn't some random uh, political podcast. With, a, with an extreme bias in one direction or the other. This is what NASA is saying. This is a prestigious journal, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. They're saying that, yeah, carbon dioxide was reduced, but methane actually increased. That's not good. We were worse off because of the pandemic environmentally. But that doesn't stop governments and organizations and philanthropists and others from saying we need lockdowns to curb climate change. I mean, these are also the same people that are telling you while it was happening that those lockdowns will actually help to curb the virus and they, and they didn't. So then, well, we, well, I guess they're not going to work for a virus. Let's use them for the climate. Let's, let's lock everybody down for climate, right? So that's the idea. And according to the Associated Press, we're driving a little bit less because of gas prices, right? And that's the pain that we have to suffer through in order to transition to green energy, right? A 40% plunge in driving miles in April of 2020. We've felt a 6% drop this month uh, into last month when gas prices really started to go up to what we're seeing $5 a gallon uh, as of last month, as of June. So, um, Back in April, which, I mean, gas, have been going, gas has been going up for months, but back in April of this year, we've seen a, a 6% plunge since April. So people aren't driving as much, but a 6% plunge isn't, you know, isn't a 40% plunge. And I'm in that 6% because I don't drive as much because I can't afford it. 
And that's the whole point. But if you go back even further, the International Energy Agency says that people should stop driving and people should stop going out because we, we, we would be able to cut global oil demand by millions of barrels if people just stopped driving their cars. Now, I want, you to th- I want you to think about this for a second. From the pandemic, where people stopped driving their vehicles and they stayed home, to the lockdowns, which prevented a lot of people from getting in their vehicles and going places, those things were said to be positive because they're said to curb carbon dioxide emissions, although they increase methane, curb carbon dioxide emissions and, and save the planet. But look at what happened to the economy as a result. Businesses were decimated. Big businesses d- did fine, but small businesses were decimated. Tens of thousands that'll never, you know, never open their doors again. That means thousands of people lost their jobs. Thousands of people lost their, their main source of income or their only source of income. People lost their homes. They lost their possessions. People became much poorer. And what did it do? It increased methane production, essentially. Uh, not really production, but in terms of the atmosphere and the atmospheric gases scrubbing methane. Methane actually increased statistically in the atmosphere because it wasn't reduced to the level that it usually is. That's We got more methane with lockdowns. That's what we got. A, a, a worse greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. That's what we got with lockdowns. We got decimated small businesses and a worse environment as a result of these policies. And then they tell, they tell you, they told you that they wanted to implement them for climate change. We always, we always think about things, I, I feel, because I, that's the way I think too, so I'm assuming that everybody kind of has a, I'm a human, so I assume everybody has a similar view in the world as I do in terms of like how we naturally think. And I think, you know, how, how are they going to do this? How, how are you going to get people to agree to, to lock themselves down over climate change? That's, that's even more ambiguous than, than COVID-19, right? I mean, everything's climate change. It's hot climate change. It's cold climate change. Well, I mean, yeah, your climate change from cold to hot. So it's kind of true, but it's, you know, it's implying something that, that isn't real. How are you going to get people to do this? Well, people probably aren't going to stay home and not drive. And they're probably not going to stop, uh, you know, buying things and consuming and going to work. If, if, you, if you tell them, hey, we need to do this to save some trees. Uh, people aren't going to do that. So what happens is, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy. It's a policy that's on the International Energy Agency website that says what we can do to curb our obsession with fossil fuels is we can just get people to stop driving their cars through various programs and propaganda. Part of that program, part of that propaganda includes the IEA's 10-point plan, which involves short-term actions that they propose would include uh, reducing uh, a small amount of oil consumed. Here's how they would do it. Let's lower speed limits. Keep working from home. Have businesses encourage people to keep working from home. Don't, bring, don't, don't do what Elon Musk did and bring people back to the office. Keep, keep them working at home. How about occasional limits on car access to city centers? Oh, that might be too hard to get, but we'll throw that in there anyway. Just limiting access 
to city centers if you have a car. Cheaper public transport. Well, that's that's the case because, you know, you look here in Tucson, for example, the bus system is still free. The bus system has been free since the so-called pandemic began, which is, you know, it's great. But somebody still the taxpayers have to pay for that. It's not free. Somebody's if you if you live here, you're paying for it, even if you don't take the bus. More carpooling and other initiatives and greater use of high speed rail and virtual meetings instead of air travel. That's the International Energy Agency's list of of demands. And it might be really hard to get people to stop driving into the city centers. But, you know, I, I imagine as a human, I can't think of a way. I'm not corrupt. I'm not a spin master. I can't think of a way to convince people not to drive their cars into the cities. But I'm sure the International Energy Agency can. I'm sure they can put together a spin team to find a way to get people to to be convinced that they shouldn't drive their cars into the city. I mean, here's one of the here's one of the plans. Car-free Sundays. Just no more cars in the city. No more cars. When I lived in Rochester, I lived right next, like literally right next to this very large Jewish uh, neighborhood. And you'd always see the the, the Jews out there walking around uh, on the weekend when they, you know, they don't drive. And that's, I guess, what they want all of us to do. They, They want all of us, according to the IEA, to just not drive on the weekends. Just don't drive your car, which is, you know, the time when most people w- would normally be driving if they're not otherwise driving during the week to go to work. This is, people go and do things on the weekend. So they specifically car free Sundays. Car free Sundays. So I hope you see what's happening here. I hope you see that lockdowns actually made environmental issues where they did exist worse because methane was not scrubbed from the atmosphere. And we got more methane and about the same amount of carbon dioxide. And how did we get that? What is the trade-off? Well, we drove 40% less at the beginning of the pandemic. And now, according to the Associated Press, gas prices are high and they're hurting our pockets, but they're making a dent in emissions. They're making a dent in emissions. Gas sales are 5% below pre-pandemic 2019 levels and 2.6% below a year ago, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We want gas to be very expensive so people don't buy it, so people don't drive. Now, I tell people I know that, and they look at me weird. Why would they not want you to drive? And, the, and some of these are the same people that are like, I don't know, I'm pretty skeptical. I think climate, I think climate change might be real. At, at, at some point, we have to understand that there are people who do not think like you. There are people that have immense power and immense wealth, and they want to prevent you. And it's been written in textbooks. It's been written in white papers. It's been, it's been in you know, propaganda and docu- like documentaries and movies and TV shows. They don't want you to be able to travel. They do not want you to have freedom of interstate travel or international travel, and they will do anything in their power to make that a reality. Whether terrifying you over a disease or terrifying you over climate issues, telling you that we have to lock down because of a virus or lock down because of climate change. And what are the results of that? Businesses are no more. Small businesses, they go out of business. Big stores benefit immensely from that. What are the consequences? Well, people become more depressed. 
people become users of drugs and alcohol. Suicide rates start to skyrocket. And what are the results of that? Well, we get uh, uh, a few percentage points in carbon dioxide reduced in the atmosphere, and it does nothing, nothing to curb, quote unquote, climate change. But we do get extra methane because with the carbon dioxide reduction, NOxes are reduced and methane isn't scrubbed from the atmosphere. Crackerjack job. The atmosphere is worse today than it was two years ago, according to NASA. And all we got from that was the decimation of small businesses and the decimation of people's faith in a system that was exploited and abused to leverage those people's trust and power. And I know that it was leveraged because the CDC didn't have authority to do most of the things that they did. And it really wasn't illegal, though, because they said they were recommendations and policies and businesses and people who don't understand how the rule of law works said, oh, sure, we'll do that. That's a law. We have to. The CDC said so. I I never remember taking a civics class and they told us about the four branches of government, executive, judicial, legislative, and the Centers for Disease Control. It's not how it works. And if that kind of stuff bores you, if civics bores you, if the way the government is supposed to work bores you, you better get unbored. You better get unbored and onboard. And you better figure out how the system works because the system can work in your favor. Otherwise, we're just clamoring for anarchy. And that's why I started the show out tonight by discussing a handful of Supreme Court cases. Number one, the abortion case with Dobbs. Or go back to Roe versus Wade. You know that not only did Roe lie about being pregnant and being raped, or being pregnant because she was raped, she actually had consensual sex and got pregnant. The court actually said that abortion wasn't an absolute right in Roe. And you know that Dobbs reaffirmed Roe. It reaffirmed it. In fact, Dobbs used Roe to overturn Roe. Did you read it? No, nobody read it. It's 213 pages. I didn't even read the whole thing. That doesn't stop people from having an opinion on it. I, I, I know that's the case because as soon as the, the court case was, was, was released, as soon as it was published, as soon as the decision was handed down, people immediately start protesting. You don't even know what the case says. You don't even know what the case says. How, how, did, how can you protest it? People started supporting it. Oh, yeah, Rose overturned. Did you read it? It's 213 pages. You didn't have time to read it. They just announced it. What are you talking about? You're, you're opposed to it or you're for it. You didn't read the damn thing. Now, there's a recent case just a week ago. West Virginia versus the EPA. West Virginia versus the EPA, according to, well, the NRDC and all these other publications that, you know, they want the EPA to have this limitless authority. They say, in simple terms, it is a, quote, setback to the EPA's ability to curb carbon pollution. The 6-3 decision holds that the agency's authority to implement a key part of the Clean Air Act doesn't include directing power plants to shift from dirty sources of energy, such as coal, to cleaner ones like wind and power. In other words, the Environmental Protection Agency cannot force a power plant in a sovereign state to shift their energy production from what they call dirty energy sources to cleaner ones like wind and solar. Sorry to tell you, if you live in a part of the country like the Pacific Northwest, or if you live up near the Great Lakes, you ain't going to be using solar. Solar isn't even that efficient if you live in the desert. 
And I live in one of the hottest parts of the country where the sun is out all day. And a lot of times until 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night in the summertime, the sun's out a lot. And unless you have a lot of money to invest and, you know, the, the, you are, you know, you have a lot of space, uh, solar power isn't going to give you everything that you need. Maybe eventually, but right now it's not. So just like with lockdowns and just like with, with, um, uh, with restrictions, you know, on travel and things like that because of COVID-19, what did that provide us? That provided us with more methane in the atmosphere. That provided us with less social interaction, less love, less companionship, less communication, less small businesses, and immense profits made for mega corporations and an immense wasting of resources in the process, including medical resources. That's what it got us. It didn't get us anything that was positive. And now we're being told that the Supreme Court in their EPA ruling doesn't want the environment to be saved. Because as the NRDC points out, the EPA is being restricted on implementing the Clean Air Act because they cannot force power plants to shift from coal to solar or wind. And I have not read the Clean Air Act. I will admit that to you. I have not read the Clean Air Act. But knowing how the courts typically decide cases like this, especially the Supreme Court, uh, the Clean Air Act probably doesn't specify, because this is how the rule of law works, it probably doesn't specify, I'm, I'm just taking a wild guess here, it probably doesn't specify that they can force power plants, the EPA can force power plants to shift from coal to wind or solar. So if it doesn't specify that they have the power to do that, that's why the Supreme Court ruled that the EPA doesn't have that power based on the Clean Air Act, because the Clean Air Act doesn't give them that authority. That's as simple as it is. It's not a matter of opinion. As much as people would like it to be a matter of opinion or what they consider to be fact, which now is just opinion that is, you know, uh, hyped up on steroids. Opinions become facts. Facts become opinions. And the Environmental Protection Agency, which still has a lot of regulatory authority, they just don't they don't implement their regulations. And there's no, you know, there's no enforcement of the laws. So the Supreme Court says, and this is a quote from the Supreme Court, they agree curbing that output, greenhouse gas emissions, is a necessary part of any effective approach for addressing climate change. So let me get this straight. The NRDC and all these other left-leaning publications and even right-leaning publications, the left-leaning publications say the, the U.S. Supreme Court said the EPA can't regulate carbon emissions, and that means that they hate the environment. And then the right wing says, this is a good thing. The EPA can't be regulating power plants in places like Texas. That's a good thing. And it's like, okay, but the Supreme Court also acknowledged once again that, that we should be curbing carbon emissions. So I don't really understand uh, the left or the right. Just like with abortion, just like with guns, just like with environmental issues. Neither side is willing to be honest, nor is either side actually reading what the Supreme Court says in these cases. And as a result of that, people either love it or they hate it, which I find to be two sides of the same coin. You, you either support it outright without understanding it, or you hate it outright without understanding it. Somebody missed... 
basic civics, basic government 101 when they were in school. I don't think they even teach it anymore. And, and, and if, if you don't like the Supreme Court, you don't like their decisions, you want to just say, well, they voted one time or two times in a, in a case I don't like. I mean, that basically says that you want, you want the Supreme Court's decisions to be absolute if they vote the way you want them to, which means, you know, in the case of Roe, you want that to just be absolute. Well, what that means is you are implying that you would like, you know, Dred Scott to be permanent. You would like Plessy versus Ferguson to be permanent. Do you want segregation to be permanent, too? Or should the court also be able to, over generations, change their views on things? Because that's what a democracy is. When we come back from break, I'm going to tell you about the new plan sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation to set your kitchen table for you. COVID-19 destroyed the food system and the medical system. Let's reshape both and reset the table tell you more about that after break i'm ryan gable this is the secret teaching stay with us you are listening to the secret teachings to contact the show to share information and your opinion or give recommendations email rdgable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info this is linda godfrey author of monsters among us and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable broadcasting from somewhere between heaven hell and purgatory it's the secret teachings on ground zero radio release the kraken you could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStreamLive is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and cross. 
me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. If you're listening in the Secret Teachings Archive, thank you so much for subscribing to the broadcast because of your support that we are on air five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. If you're listening on Ground Zero, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you listening to uh, to the show and to what we have to to share with you, even if it might be controversial sometimes. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. You'll find uh, contact information there as well. Facebook.com forward slash TheSecretTeachings and TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter. So I was reading through a little bit of the Clean Air Act on break and the Supreme Court's West Virginia versus EPA decision. And from what I read and what I looked at here, it, it basically sounds like the Supreme Court is telling the EPA that although under the Clean Air Act from 1970, you have the ability to target pollution from industrial sources and you can define the best system of emission reduction. That's a quote, the best system of emission reduction it doesn't give you the authority to force power plants, for example, which may or may not fall under industrial sources. It does not give you the authority to force those power plants to shift from coal to wind or to solar. That's as simple as it is. Does the law give the EPA this authority? That's as simple as the mask mandate on public transit. That's as simple as it was. Does the CDC have this regulatory authority under congressional you know, uh, 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 authority, like under the statutes that were put in place by the Congress? Does the CDC have that authority? The court ruled no. And the court just ruled in West Virginia versus the EPA. The, well, the EPA doesn't have the authority to, to force power plants to do this. I mean, they can dis- determine the best system of emission reduction, but they can't force them to actually do it. You can recommend from the CDC to wear a mask, but you can't force people to do it. I haven't read all 89 pages of this, so this is an oversimplified version of what the case is about. But it's important to understand how the system works because it's going to help us to understand what this overall policy really is. It's not a conspiracy. It's a policy to prevent you from driving, to prevent you from traveling, to prevent you from seeing your friends and family, to prevent you from going to work, to prevent you from leaving your house, to prevent you from getting food, to prevent you from doing anything unless you have the expressed permission of government. That is authoritarianism. That is totalitarianism. That is despotism. That is not a society I'd like to live in. So when we have a conversation about, you know, a court case, it kind of sounds, you know, stale 
But it's really important, I think, to understand the larger picture. It's important to understand that just like with the masks and the CDC, the court said, well, we think you should probably wear a mask. This is in the the judge's decision. We think you should wear a mask. It's probably a good idea. But the CDC did not have the authority to make it what people determined to be a law. So we think you should do it, but they just don't have the authority to force you to do it. And this is exactly what was determined in the EPA case against West Virginia in regard to the Clean Air Act of 1970. Yes, the EPA has the authority to implement uh, a definition system to determine what is the best system of emission reduction for industrial sources of air pollution, but they can't force these power plants to shift from coal to wind or to solar. However, the court still agrees, like the court did in the mask issue. The CDC can recommend it. They can't force you to do it. But we think you should still do it anyway. And the court in the case of the EPA versus the uh, state of West Virginia, the court said, curbing the output of greenhouse gas emissions, quote, is a necessary part of any effective approach for addressing climate change. The so-called conservative Supreme Court did not determine that climate change is not real. They did not determine that global warming is not real. They did not determine that it's an Al Gore hoax. They did not determine that it's a right-wing you know, conspiracy theory. They simply said, yes, we think carbon emissions should be curbed, but you cannot force these power plants to shift from one energy source to the other because you don't have the authority explicitly granted under the Clean Air Act. That's their decision. Now, you could argue that you could interpret it any way. Maybe the Clean Air Act does give them that authority. That's not really the point. The point is, this is the court's decision. And this has people angry. Not as angry as Dobbs and abortion. Or the New York uh, Rifle Association and Buren for guns. But it still has people upset. What upsets me is, the Supreme Court also decided, in an immigration case recently, that actually sided with the Biden administration. The conservative Supreme Court sided with Democrats and said, yeah, you can't force those people to go back to Mexico while their papers are processed, that they can stay here in the country. Everybody applauded that. Nobody, I guarantee you hardly anybody read it, but most people applauded it. Yeah, 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 let, let them come in the country. No, you know, that papers or no papers. That's cool. That's what the Supreme, the Supreme Court's the Supreme Law of the Land, you know. It's not the Supreme Law of the Land, but that's what people think if they vote the way they want them to vote and do the things they want them to do, which means, you know, just always vote the way you want, you know, they, that you want them to vote. And if they don't, then you got to overturn everything, which is basically saying you'd like Plessy versus Ferguson and you'd like Dred Scott to still be the case. You'd, you'd prefer segregation because, hey, the court should never change their opinion. If you don't want them to change it in row, they shouldn't have changed it for Plessy or for, uh, for Dred Scott, right? Should have, segregation should still be a thing. That's what you're saying. It's totally ignorant. But the EPA is being told, just like the CDC is told, you have the authority to implement policies and definitions, but under the statutes that you're claiming, under the laws that you're claiming, you do not have the authority to force people to wear masks. You do not have the authority to force power plants to shift to new forms of energy. The court, however, thinks you should still wear a mask, and the court still thinks, in the case of the Supreme Court, in this case of West Virginia versus the EPA, the court still thinks that carbon emissions should be curbed. It's a lot 
different of a story than what we've been told by the media. So if we can't force people to do these things, well, we'll just drive gas prices up through the roof so people can't afford to travel. So people can't afford to pollute. The Associated Press has reported yesterday, higher gas prices hurt pockets, make a small dent in emissions. June gas sales last month were 5% lower than pre-pandemic 2019 levels at 2.6% below a year ago, according to the Energy Information Administration, so people are driving less. When the pandemic first started, there was a 40% plunge in driving miles in 2020, starting in April. 40% plunge, people stopped driving. Now, you could say, well, that's just because of the pandemic. That's just because Putin invaded Ukraine. It's just, you know, it's basic economics. It's not the president's fault. It's not, you know, there's no conspiracy. And I say, you're right, there is no conspiracy. I just, so I tell people now, there's no conspiracy. There's no conspiracy theory. There's just a policy. It's just a policy. The International Energy Agency has the so-called conspiracy theory published on their damn website. They have a 10-step plan to cut oil use. This is, this is in March of this year. This is in March. Okay? This says, based on their 10-point plan, the short-term actions the plan proposes reduce the amount of oil consumed by cars through lower speed limits, working from home, virtual meetings instead of air travel. I mean, aren't those two things components of the so-called pandemic? Working from home, virtual meetings instead of air travel? The pandemic just got the public comfortable with those ideas it introduced people to those ideas working from home you can do it in your underwear virtual meetings you can be naked from the waist down don't have to really get dressed or get ready more carpooling lower speed limits and of course occasional limits on car access to city centers then if you go past the article that they published and you go to their website and and you go through and read it and I had a listener named uh, Joseph Lavelle who sent this to me on their website it has 10 different steps here's one of them they didn't mention in the public article car free Sundays in large cities that means you don't drive on the weekend so again it's not a conspiracy or conspiracy theory it's a policy it's policy. And at some point, we have to, we have to realize, you know that, that idea of following the money? You, know, you hear that? If you want to figure out who's responsible, follow the money. And you know, if you're a journalist, if you're an investigator, you're not allowed to believe in coincidence, right? Well, remember that story back in um, mid-June about the Kansas cattle dying? Kansas Department of Health and Environment said 2,000 cattle died in the southwest of the state due to high temperatures and humidity. And they told us that these cattle died throughout the day and overnight, 2,000 of them. What they don't tell you or what they don't allow to be asked or become part of the conversation is if the temperatures were really that hot, did a number of other less... um less versatile animals die. I mean, you know, cattle are pretty big, pretty beefy. 
So what about a bunch of other little tiny rodents and animals? Was there a mass die off of tiny little animals and rodents that just couldn't take the heat or did they, did they all get shelter? Like did a lot of other, did a lot of animals that live outside, did they also die or is it just 2000 cattle in one place? Was there something in, in their water? Was there something in their food? How did these cattle die? Well, they tell us they died of heat and they tell us they died of heat because, well, it got so hot and they, they normally cool down at night, but you know, because of the temperatures have been higher, there's the humidity has been terrible that they, they just couldn't cool off. So they all died. N- none of them survived. Like n- not all the cows just died at one time. I mean, even if they were suffering from heat, st- heat stroke or something, they wouldn't have all died at the exact same moment. I mean, even if they were poisoned, they wouldn't have died at the exact same moment. I mean, if you look at, you just look at your fellow human, take me for example, I'm the kind of guy who, if it ain't 90 degrees, I'm cold. I'm like a lizard. Okay. I, I need heat. I need, I let, I'm from Florida. I need heat. I don't like the humidity, but I need heat. If you put me and someone who's susceptible to heat stroke in the middle of the desert here where I am, and we stand outside for about an hour in the heat, I'm going to be fine. But the person who succumbs to heat stroke in a few minutes, they might pass out. We're humans. We're arguably even more versatile than these cattle are. So how did these 2,000 cattle just all die because of heat? It doesn't make any sense. So since it doesn't make any sense, we start asking questions. What's the official reason for the, re- the, 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 the cattle dying? And I did a show on this, by the way, if you want to look it up in the archive, it's called 2,000 Cattle or 2,000 Moos, like 2,000 Mules, but 2,000 Moos, M-O-O-S, 2,000 Moos. And I asked the question on that show, and I'm going to share it again with you here tonight. Why did these cattle die officially? They died because of heat. Okay, so it was too hot. This was on June 20th. Now, if we go back to March... Of 2022, just a few months ago, we find an FDA press release. An FDA press release that says FDA makes low-risk determination for marketing of products from genome-edited beef cattle after safety review. Reports in scientific literature, this is the EPA, indicate that cattle with this extremely short, slick hair coat are potentially able, potentially able, not for sure, but just potentially able. We modified them genetically, and the genetic modification, which gives you know companies a right to own that product because it's intellectual property, um, it, it isn't guaranteed. It just potentially could do this. It potentially would be able to better withstand. And I just I got to read it. I got to read it again before I give you the. I give it away. Reports in scientific literature indicate that cattle with this extremely short, slick hair coat are potentially able to better withstand hot weather. And that's the FDA. Cattle that are comfortable in their environment are less likely to experience temperature-related stress and may result in improved food production. So if you read what they're saying, they're telling you potentially, and they're telling you may. Genetically engineering these cattle potentially could make them resistant because of the, the, the extremely short, slick hair coat. Potentially could make them resistant to heat and this may result in improved food production. So let me get this straight. You genetically alter the cattle. You can't guarantee that they'll be resistant to higher temperatures. And you only guarantee is that it may improve food production. 
And that's what the the FDA is literally saying on March 7th, 2022 on their website. Then you fast forward to June and you see a 2000 carcass group of cattle all die at basically the same time. And why did they die? Oh, because of heat. They died because of heat. And in between the FDA saying we have GM cattle that can withstand heat and it might even increase food production, you have dozens of food manufacturing and food processing facilities that exploded or went up in flames. So store products start to disappear from shelves. Even here in the first world, we start to realize, hey, that product's not in stock anymore. It's been discontinued or they're having trouble getting it into the store. Now, we still have an abundance of food, so much so that we still don't know what to do with it. We still throw 40% of it out. But you start to realize, okay, if we're having shortages in food, even though we have an abundance of food, and our gas prices are $455 a gallon on average, then what is happening to the people who are not living in the United States, even in the poorest areas, what are happening? Uh, what's happening to the people that are living in developing nations? What's happening to people that are living in places where, like in Africa, where some places still have lockdowns implemented because it's, it's just a cult. It's control. What happens is people starve to death. What happens is people can't afford to cool or to heat their homes. And not even necessarily with air conditioners, just because the things they typically use are in short supply or they're unable to get them because they're locked down. So if you have a few products at the store you normally buy that aren't there anymore or they go up in cost by a dollar and you can't afford to pay four fifty a gallon for gas, what's happening is the first world is being turned into the third world and the third world is being turned into a death trap which it already was, but now they've made it way more dangerous with a lot more suffering and a lot more death. And that's not my opinion. That's the United Nations. United Nations says COVID-related hunger could kill more people than the virus. That was early on. Here's the New York Times. Instead of coronavirus, the hunger will kill us. A global food crisis looms. And then back in April... Late April, FBI warns of targeted cyber attacks on food plants after mysterious rash of fires. And here is the ransom attack, uh, ransomware attacks on agricultural cooperatives potentially timed for a critical season, according to the FBI. This is their privacy, uh, private industry uh, notification, Federal Bureau of Investigation Cyber Division, April 20th, 2022. And then the food and supply chain shortages, which were caused by lockdowns, which take it takes a while to reach the first world. Those supply chain issues, because of lockdown, were then pushed off on, according to Time Magazine and the Associated Press in March of this year, the war in Ukraine, creating the greatest global food crisis since World War II, says the UN. So let's recap all that. Lockdowns quarantines and the preventing of you from traveling and seeing your loved ones and your friends and going out to have a bite to eat or to have a drink or to go to a baseball game or a football game. 
all of that was curtailed because of a virus that you couldn't see that was never isolated or identified as being the cause of the actual disease. It doesn't mean particles don't exist. It just means that it's never isolated to be shown to prove, be proven that it's the cause of the actual disease, the symptoms or the symptom complexes. So as a result of that, we drove much less. As a result of that, carbon dioxide was very slightly, according to NASA, reduced in the atmosphere. And what did we get in exchange? The decimation of small businesses, the decimation of faith in both the medical system, faith in the economy, faith in government, the undermining of the entire political system, the undermining of the entire economic system, the undermining of the entire medical system. We also got more methane in the atmosphere, which is worse than carbon dioxide because the NOxs weren't able to scrub it because they were reduced with the carbon dioxide reduction. Then we start seeing in 2022, gas prices go up and food disappear from shelves. And when gas prices go up and food start to disappear disappear from shelves in the in the in the first world, we know that people are suffering far more than we are in the third world and in developing nations. We know that for sure because even poorer people in the first world are suffering immensely. People that already can't pay their bills, already can't afford gas or heating or cooling. So as gas prices go up and the cost of living goes up and the cost of energy goes up and food starts to disappear from shelves, we know that people are dying in the developing world. We know that people are dying in the third world. And this is precisely what the United Nations warned about, that COVID-related hunger, just like the New York Times said, COVID-related hunger is going to kill more people than the virus. And those that it doesn't kill, it's going to thrust them into worse states of poverty and worse states of starvation. Then the FDA says back in March of this year, hey, we have genetically modified cattle that could produce more food. Well, they say they may produce more food. They say we have genetically modified cattle that could withstand increasing temperatures from climate change. And then a few months later, the Kansas Department of Health and Environment says 2,000 cattle died because of extreme heat. What are we going to do? There's the FDA. They've got genetically modified cattle approved that can withstand higher temperatures. Nobody asks any question about the 2,000 moose. Nobody asks any questions about how they all died at basically the same time. How humans are more versatile, sure. You know, humans are way more versatile than, than, than cattle are. But, you know, humans can withstand heat and cold and at different levels. And some people can't withstand the same amount of heat. Cattle are going to be the same way. They're pretty versatile. They're, all not, they're not all going to die from heat at the same time. Very suspicious. We also found in the last couple of months that even according to the FBI, cyber attacks were planned on food plants. Dozens of food plants, manufacturing and processing facilities were targeted by accidents and coincidences, by fires and planes crashing into them. Literally, one case in Idaho, a plane crashed into one of the big potato processing facilities Places that make oil and vinegar and places that process soy and other products for the east coast of the United States, for the Midwest, for the west, uh, for the east coast, west coast, Midwest, everywhere in between. 
And then we hear that some places like, well, California, for example, California is just going to ban gas stoves. We hear New York's going to ban gas stoves. We hear that over in Europe, in places like Italy, they're telling people to ration their energy. Not to take as many showers as they normally take. Why? Well, you got to save that energy and you got to save that water for, well, according to the Telegraph, quote, support Ukraine. And then Time Magazine says the war in Ukraine is creating the greatest global food crisis since World War II. So everything that was a result of the pandemic, everything that was a result of government policy was then dumped on Russia and Ukraine. And now that that's not sticking, we're seeing the real reason. Yes, gas prices are high. Yes, food isn't available. Yes, things are more expensive. Yes, energy costs more. But we are curbing our emissions to save the planet from climate change. And since you don't trust the system anymore, and because you don't trust medicine and you don't trust government and you don't trust the food manufacturers and processors and distributors, we need to reset the table. We need to reset the food system and the medical system. The Rockefeller Foundation published on July 28th of 2020 in the middle of the so-called pandemic Something called Meeting the Moment to Transform the U.S. Food System. Reset the Table. This document just resurfaced a few days ago. And it talks about COVID-19 and how we can reset, as in the Great Reset. Reset the food. Reset the table. And just a few days ago, citing a disastrous pandemic response, an expert panel calls for an overhaul of the U.S. public health system. What do they want to do with the health system? What do they want to do with food? I'm going to tell you when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. The music, white, bad audio. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Thesecretteachings.info is the website. Please subscribe to our show. Please grab a copy of one of our books. If you don't support us, we're not here. If you do, we're here five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis. And if you haven't subscribed to Clyde's archive, I'd recommend you go do that as well. Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, 
or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. Friday night, last segment. I'm very excited for the weekend. I got a lot of stuff to do. I might go camping. Hope that you guys are going to have a good weekend as well. Before we can get to that weekend, though, I have to share some information with you that um, just resurfaced from back in 2020 and how it relates to, um, well, everything else we've discussed tonight because we have, we have this idea that there's these grand conspiracies, right? Or there's these conspiracy theories, as others call them. And we're not really seeing conspiracy theories or conspiracies anymore. We're just seeing the open declaration of, of policy. We're seeing the, the open declaration of we need to do the things that we're told to do because we have to save the environment. We have to fight Putin. We have to fight a virus. Lockdowns encouraged us to stop driving. Lockdowns encouraged us to work from home and to isolate ourselves from the community. When supply chain issues, including food shortages and higher costs in general, started to hit the first world directly, blame was conveniently placed on Russia invading Ukraine. Now, the excuse is beginning to wane. And more blame is is being placed 
on you. It's being placed on me. It's not Ukraine or Russia. It's not Putin. It's not a virus. It's not a pandemic. It's you. You're the problem. Conspiracies and conspiracy theories alike are being overturned for the admitted policy that is, you are a threat to the planet. You should not be driving anymore. Higher gas prices are good, says the Associated Press. I have the article right here. Higher gas prices are good because it is helping us to curb carbon dioxide emissions. 2022 began with food processing and manufacturing facilities going up in flames. The FDA announcing they have genetically modified cattle to withstand intense heat. And then a few months later, 2,000 cattle die in Kansas. And they're like, what caused the cattle to die? And someone says, hey, they died of heat. What are we going to do about this? Well, the FDA has approved genetically modified cattle that can withstand heat. Very convenient. A few weeks ago, back in uh, June, the New York Times reported this. Citing disastrous pandemic response, expert panel will call for overhaul of U.S. public health system. A bipartisan panel of health experts, which, by the way, this bipartisan panel included people from the Bush and Obama administration, Undersecretary for Public Health within the Department of Health and Human Services, Dr. Margaret Hamburg, and uh, President George W. Bush's uh, administrative uh, director of the CDC, Julie Gerbending. And this panel says, I'm going to read you some of this from the New York Times. They're recommending the creation of a new national public health system. The panel said it also wanted to address the failures of the nation's public health agencies to protect Americans from other health risks, including drug overdoses, diabetes, and maternal mortality. They want this new national public health system to be funded by the Commonwealth Fund, a nonprofit research group focused on health care issues. And while other countries have centralized public health authorities, public health in the United States is largely managed at the state and local level. Yes, because we don't like authoritarians in this country. We have a system that is established so that we have a separation of powers and checks and balances. We don't need the federal government telling individual states what they can and can't do. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Federal Public Health Agency, does not have the authority to uh, compel states to act. It cannot, for example, investigate outbreaks of infectious disease in a particular state unless it has an invitation from state officials to do so. This is the same issue that the Supreme Court of the United States just addressed about a week ago in the case of West Virginia, the state, versus the EPA. The EPA is claiming that they have the authority, based on the Clean Air Act of the 1970s, to force power plants in West Virginia and other states to switch from coal to other forms of energy production for electricity. And although the Clean Air Act does give the EPA the authority to define the, quote, best system of emission reduction, it doesn't give them the authority to force those power plants to change their energy source for generating electricity. The Supreme Court just ruled on that about seven, eight days ago. So that's the same issue we have with the public health care system. This bipartisan panel says that states have sovereignty and that the CDC can't just go in and tell a state, hey, you have to do this. 
The CDC doesn't have that authority. They have to get invitations from the state in order to come in and to make to make um, you know decisions, policy recommendations, etc. The New York Times reports state health agencies and the CDC have a long history of working collaboratively, but throughout the pandemic, elected state officials, of course, the CDC and the New York Times have to say, particularly those in red states, have been reluctant to cede control. I love how they use those two words. These states, these red states, have been reluctant to cede control to the CDC. Well, good thing they didn't cede control to the CDC because a federal judge ruled that the CDC didn't have the statutory authority to implement masks on public transportation. Even though the judge said you probably should be wearing a mask on public transportation. A good thing we have a it's a good thing we have a Supreme Court that can say, hey, the EPA does not have the authority to force power plants to shift to new forms of energy production for electricity based on the Clean Air Act. It gives the EPA authority, statutory authority from Congress, but they don't have the authority to force companies to do it. They can define what they should do, but they can't force them to do it. It's the same thing with the mask issue. You can define it, you can recommend it, you can suggest it, but you can't force it. And if you try to force it, Not only are you going to get sued and you're going to lose like the CDC and the EPA did, but if you try to enforce it, you're going to be completely unsuccessful and you're going to prevent people from wanting to do it because people don't want to be told what to do and they don't want to be forced by a bloated, lying federal agency that you have to do something that just based on state sovereignty, you you can't force the state or the citizens of that state to do something. You have to get invitations from the state to come into the state. That's this is like the, the idea of states' rights. So what do they do instead? They say at the New York Times, we need a policy, we need a new system of government in which the states have to cede control to the federal government. They're just advocating for an overthrowing of representative government. They're advocating for overthrowing of state sovereignty. This is the same exact thing that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said when she said she wanted to use the president's pen to dictate the rule of law. It's the same thing Bernie Sanders said when he said he wanted to just override congressional procedure to get laws passed that he wanted to pass. This is undermining the entire system of representative democracy in a republic. It's the same thing when these hordes and these mobs and drones of zombies said, let's burn down the Supreme Court. They're fascist. Let's kill the judges. Somebody did try to assassinate one of the judges. You're you're advocating for not only the overthrow of representative democratically elected and and, 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 uh, government officials that are supposed to uphold the rule of law in a republic, you're also advocating for segregation. You're also advocating for racism because if you don't like the Supreme Court's decision because they overturned Roe, which never gave you an absolute right to abortion anyway, that means that you also are in favor of never overturning any Supreme Court decision, including Dred Scott, including Plessy versus Ferguson. Does that mean you want segregation? Does that mean you want black codes and Jim Crow? Because that's what it sounds like to me. If the Supreme Court should never overturn a decision so long as it benefits you, you're in favor of segregation, dummy. So they want to overturn the healthcare system because states won't cede control. They won't cede control to outside agencies and to philanthropists like Bill Gates. So because states won't cede control, we need to overturn the entire healthcare system. We just have to overturn it. It's funny how that works, isn't it? So, back in 2020... 
The Rockefeller Foundation published a relatively thick document about 25, 20, was it 25, 26 pages, 25 pages, uh, 50 pages if you, if you print it on one side. They print uh, this 50 page document that they published called Meeting the Moment to Transform the U.S. Food System. And if you open up the little pamphlet, the little booklet, the little publication that they made, you see that on the front there's a guy with a, a box of produce. That's the job I used to do. And he's got a mask on. Got to be honest with you, it triggered me a little bit. Guy's got a mask on, he got a big box of produce. And it says... Underneath of that, America faces a hunger and nutrition crisis unlike any this country has seen in generations. Today, 14 million children are missing meals on a regular basis, a statistic that's three times worse than the Great Recession and five times worse than before the COVID-19 pandemic as parents who often skip meals themselves in order to prioritize feeding their kids can no longer protect their children from hunger. It's even worse for Latino and black families who have seen rates of nutrition Insecurity spiked to 25% and 30% respectively. In the wealthiest country in the world, this is simply unconsciousable. So I wonder, why is it 14 million children are missing meals on a regular basis? I wonder why adults are missing meals. I disagree with the Rockefeller Foundation. Adults aren't missing meals to feed their children. Adults are missing meals because adults also don't eat properly. Adults don't eat well. Children don't eat well. So is that a government policy? Is that a, a law? Is there, is there something preventing millions of children from getting access to meals? Who says that you have to eat a certain number of meals a day anyway? This is just an arbitrary thing. For some people, they can't eat three meals a day. I'm one of those people. I can't eat three meals a day. I usually have a tiny snack in the morning. If I eat in the morning, I get nauseous. I have a tiny snack in the morning, and then I usually have one large meal in the afternoon. And that's, for me, that's, I didn't intentionally, you know, craft my, my, my lifestyle this way. But for me, that's, you know, I've lost weight, and I've, I've become far healthier than I've ever been in my entire life eating that one meal a day. But when I'm eating that meal, I'm not eating McDonald's, and I'm not eating processed foods. Like, I'm not eating a bag of chips and a Coke. That's not my meal. Like, I made a, um, I made a cauliflower, a cauliflower uh, Alfredo pasta last night. And uh, we, I, well, actually, the night before last, I made a salad last night so, and made my own dressing. And, you know, I made cauliflower pasta. You cauliflower, onions, garlic in a, in a skillet. You steam it, and then you blend it up, and you put garlic powder, onion powder, lemon in it. And then that's, you've got Alfredo sauce and you, t and you grate up some cashews with a little bit of garlic powder in a blender. So it's really fine. You got a Parmesan cheese and I put that on some whole wheat noodles. It's absolutely delicious. Not a completely whole meal because I didn't have any, uh, any greens with it, but way better than a bag of chips and a Coke. And this is typically the kind of thing I eat and I go in and out every other day. I do like greens or so. That's the way I'm choosing to eat. Most Americans do not eat that way. Most people do not eat that way. So adults are not eating that way. Children are also not eating that way as a result. So are the children not getting enough food or are they not getting enough meals? Because there's a difference. You can get enough food, but still not eat the recommended amount of, of, of meals per day. You know, having your, 
you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then snacks in between. There's a difference between missing regular meals, as the Rockefeller Foundation says, missing regular meals and not getting enough food. And there's also a difference between missing meals, missing food, and not having adequate nutrition. Because just like you can miss meals but have enough food, you can have enough food and not have adequate nutrition. So the Rockefeller Foundation is being highly dishonest about the issues of food in this country. So the document goes on. What COVID-19 has revealed. The image of the past few months have been both shocking and heartbreaking. 40% of Americans are unable to access $400 even in times of emergency. As long as I've been alive, that's pretty much been the condition of, of life. Most people cannot afford to have an emergency. For years, I don't know what the statistic is right now, because I'm going through this, this document um, intentionally improv. I didn't read this document before, but I, I've got these you know little bullet points in the document I'm going through. So I don't know. I didn't look it up. I don't know what the statistic is, but the last time I checked, it's about 60-something percent of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. And all that, that might, that might you know, be considered you know, unacceptable. Oh, we're, it's a, we're this America. Why are we living paycheck to paycheck? It's the rich capitalists. That, well, you might be living paycheck to paycheck, but a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck because they have a lifestyle that they can't afford. So they're living paycheck to paycheck. Just like with nutrition, the Rockefeller Foundation's like, well, they're not getting enough, they're not getting enough meals. But are they getting enough food? If they are getting enough meals or food, are they getting the proper nutrition? There's a huge difference between these things. You might be living paycheck to paycheck, but that doesn't, ma- that doesn't mean you don't have a nice car. It doesn't mean you don't have a nice house. You know, 40% of Americans are unable to access $400 even in, in times of emergency. So they can't ac- access $400, but can they access $300? Even if they can access an additional $50 a month once their bills are paid, especially if they're living in excess of their income and their lifestyle, even if they can access an extra 50 bucks to go see a movie once in a while, that means they have way more money than most of some of the moderate you know, uh, incomes in, around the world. The poor people in this country are wealthier than some of the wealthier people in other countries. We just need to understand that perspective. We, we don't get it. We have it so good. We have no comprehension of what it's like to not have it so good. We have it so good that we spend more than we have. We get in debt and then we say, oh, it's American capitalism. Ah, it's be, that's why I don't have enough money for a second car. It's like those old videos of the kids on Christmas. They're all mad and smashing their phones. I wanted an iPhone 8, not an iPhone 7. I wanted another car. I can't afford it because of Trump. I can't afford it because, oh my God, it's just the, it's life so expensive, these damn capitalists. While well, you work at a company that's a capitalist company and you buy things in a capitalist economy in a free market and then you, 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 you poop talk it. You know, because you, you just, you can't deal with reality, so it's always somebody else's fault. I'm not saying people aren't poor. I'm not saying people don't live paycheck to paycheck struggling two, three jobs. I'm saying the mass majority of people in the United States of America are getting enough food. 
they're just not getting adequate nutrition. And they're getting enough food even if they're not getting enough meals. And that goes for adults and for kids. Most people in the United States of America have it made, even if you're poor. Look at me. I'm poor. I'm poor. I don't have an income outside of this radio show. I have subscriptions for the archive. I have my books. That's it. I write the books. I edit the books. I publish the books. I promote the books. I prepare for this radio show. I do the montages. I do the production. I run the board. Nobody does anything else for me here. The only thing people have done for me is give me a platform on radio stations or uh, like in the case here of Ground Zero, uh, they've been wonderful and nice and allowed me to come over and do my show after Clyde. So other than that, though, I'm running every aspect of the show. I'm poor. I don't have a job with a guaranteed income. If people don't subscribe and people don't buy books, if you don't subscribe and don't buy books, we're not here anymore. And, and, you know, if I had to get a job, I'm fine getting a job. I'm fine working. But, you know, I I put a lot of effort and a lot of work into this. And, and, and most people that listen to this show appreciate it. And they do buy books and subscribe. But let me tell you what my income is. My income is just over $1,000 a month. That's it. That's, I live on that. $1,000 a month. How do I do it? I have no idea. I'm poor. I'm way below the poverty line. Way below the poverty line. I make like thirteen dollars to $14,000 a year doing this show. That's it. I'm below the poverty line, but it's not because of capitalism. It's despite capitalism. I'm doing this show and selling books and subscriptions as a capitalist, which is the most ironic thing in the world, isn't it? You have people that sell their podcasts, sell their radio shows, sell their books, bad-mouthing capitalism, bad-mouthing how some people, including themselves, don't have a lot of money, when you're literally selling a product in a free market in a capitalist economy. So yeah, Americans might not have extra money in times of emergencies, but hey, you still have a nice car and a nice house. You still have air conditioning. You still have running water. You still have things that are our luxuries that we take for granted. So here's what the Rockefeller Foundation goes on to say. We need a, quote, fundamental change in the U.S. food system, a fundamental change based on what experts are claiming that involves a number of different changes in a number of different sectors, a number of different parts of the economy uh, and, and, you know, at the federal, state, and local levels. We need changes, lots of changes. Here are some of the changes we need. Create an integrated nutrition security system. An integrated nutrition security system would mean strengthening nutrition benefit programs to ensure children and families are fed. Well, good luck with that. If you want to increase the amount of money people get on food stamps, let me tell you what people buy on food stamps, okay? I've been on food stamps. The last time I was on a bus here in Tucson, there was a guy behind me who was on his phone talking very loud, and he said, yeah, man, I just got the food stamps. He's like, absolutely, yep, I got the Doritos, I got the Cheetos. He's like, I got the Pepsi, I'm coming home right now, I'll be right there. I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating. He sounded like that, and that's exactly what he said. I just, I got the food stamps, man, and I've got the, I, got the, I got the Pepsi, I got the chips, I'm coming home. That's what most people buy on food stamps. So giving people more money on food stamps just basically pays major food manufacturers and processors for their manufactured processed food. It doesn't help people get adequate nutrition because you can teach 
a man to fish. But if you give a man a fish, he's not going to know how to survive after that fish is eaten. He's going to die because he doesn't know how to acquire it for himself. That's the new plantation, and it's been that way for decades. Give people the universal basic income. Give them the SNAP benefits, but don't teach them how to earn a living. Don't teach them how to grow their own food. Don't teach them about what they should be buying, not forcing them, but educating them what they should be buying. So literally, the Rockefeller Foundation says we need more meals and more nutrition, not telling you that people get enough food, they just might not be getting enough meals, which is arbitrary, and therefore they're not getting enough nutrition. So in order to make nutrition more accessible, give people more money on food stamps, which just encourages them to eat even poorer foods, which will then, because it's subsidized, lead them to being even more nutritionally depleted. Number two, invest public and private funding in school food programs as anchors of community feeding. Really? Well, this isn't this what Michelle Obama tried to do? Friend of mine who lives here in Tucson, uh, Joe, his wife was telling me that, uh, you know, she works at a school. She was telling me that because of the Michelle Obama food program, they give kids the apple and the, the, and the different thing. I think she said it was like an apple and milk and some, something like a whole grain piece of bread on a tray. And she said virtually all the kids just they get it and they throw it out. But they have to take it. So it's just a waste. <laughs> they, you have to take the apple, have to take the bread, but then you just throw it in the garbage can because you want to go buy whatever you want to buy. Because that's, that's what happens when people are stupid and people have just enough money. And yes, I just said when they're stupid. What I mean by that is they're uninformed and uneducated. If you give a child a chance to have a free apple or their parents gave them $5 to buy a cheeseburger, they're probably going to buy the cheeseburger. They're not responsible for the money. They don't care about the apple. They want the cheeseburger. That's how a free market works. So the only way you're going to change that is if you destroy the free market and you force people at gunpoint to take that universal basic income and to buy the subsidized things that you want them to buy. Which means that like, if you go down to a WIC office and you get on WIC, do you know what WIC allows you to buy? WIC allows you to buy... Uh, they have a section for like protein, okay? And one of the things you can buy is peanut butter. But you know what kind of peanut butter you can buy? You can buy Skippy or you can buy Peter Pan, which are arguably two of the most disgusting and two of the worst processed, highly processed, highly manufactured salt, sugar, fat products you can buy. But you can't, you don't have a choice to buy any other. So give them the free food, but keep them nutritionally deficient keep them uninformed of what they're supporting and what they're eating, but it's free, so who cares, right? Number three, expand food is medicine. I thought this was funny. Dietary health and COVID-19 outcomes are clearly linked, and now is the time to rapid, uh, rapidly expand equitable access, is that word again, equitable access to produce prescription programs. You know, and that I kind of agree with. Medically tailored meals and other programs that enable healthcare workers, healthcare providers to uh, connect patients with healthy foods. That I kind of agree with. I, I like the idea of the, of the produce prescription program. The only problem with that is, once again, it's government handouts. And I don't like government handouts. Because again, if you, if you teach people how to grow food, if you teach people what food they should buy, if you teach people how to take care of themselves in terms of nutrition, then they don't need the handouts. They can make the decisions for themselves. But if you just give them and force them to take a product, it's not only you know, wasteful because if they don't want it, but they have to take it, they're going to take it. They're going to get rid of it. It doesn't help. 
Because if they have money and they can still buy something, they're like those kids in school, they're just going to go buy what they want to buy anyway. They're not responsible for the money either. That's why people go buy whatever they want when they get the food stamps. So like the Rockefeller Foundation, strengthen nutrition benefit programs, you mean just giving people more free money so they can go buy Doritos and Cheetos and Pepsi. That's what most people buy with their food stamps. Very few people are buying produce with their food stamps. This isn't, this isn't an argument over food preference. It's an argument that the Rockefeller Foundation is saying, let's do all these things to reset the table. And they're saying this in July of 2020. This is the Great Reset. The Rockefeller Foundation is participating in it. And they want to give all this money and food stamps to people. But if you think about it for a second, what happens when you give people all that money? And you keep giving people all that money. And there's no incentive except be lazy don't have a job, you keep getting money. Look, I've been on food stamps. I'm not saying if you're on food stamps, you're lazy. By, by no means am I saying that. What I'm saying is the encouragement is be lazy because if you do go get a job and you do make just enough to not have food stamps anymore, now your quality of, 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 of free things, you know, you, you can't access as much as you want because you're living, you have less money available to buy things, but you can't, you can't get on food stamps because you, you make too much money, even if it's just a few dollars more. So you have no incentive to get a job that pays more. You, you, know, you have no incentive to get off food stamps. The incentive is to stay on that welfare plantation. That's what the universal basic income is. That's what these nutritional benefit programs are all about from the Rockefeller Foundation. They're meant to reset society and reset the table. So you can't drive, you can't see your friends or family, you can't go to a ball game, you can't go to a bar, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to a movie, and if you do do those things, as a matter of public accommodation, you have to have a vaccine or a mask. That's the plan. Passports and IDs, papers to have, you know, that you have to have to go anywhere and everywhere. And when we have supply chain shortages and food shortages, it's not, oh, it's not because of the pandemic, it's because of Vladimir Putin. And when that excuse wanes, now it's just, according to the Associated Press, it's just a good thing because we have to save the environment. Remember the lockdowns from COVID? Well, if we do that for carbon dioxide and we have six, seven, eight dollars a gallon for gas, so you can't afford to drive, people won't drive as much and people won't leave their homes as much. So this will also save the environment. That is a resetting of the table. They're resetting the whole system. There's no conspiracy. There's no conspiracy theory. There's just policy. And that's how it works. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know I'm very, very hyped up, very energetic. I'm very excited for the weekend. I get to uh, conclude my, uh, my new book. I get to edit that down, uh, put some pictures in it. Hopefully get that ready for publication. And I think I'm going to get to go camping this week. And I'm always excited to go camping. So I'm a little bit fired up. Very excited. I'll be back and I'll speak with you Monday next week, starting Monday through Friday, as always, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. Please check out our sponsors on the website, thesecretteachings.info, Pro One Water Filters, the Tuttle Twins, and Transistor FM. For those of you asking about the private archive, I had a few people message me and they said they couldn't find the download buttons. I had the uh, Transistor FM uh, uh, tech support check that out, and they fixed it. So if you are a subscriber, you can download the show again. They fixed that little glitch. Please subscribe to the archive if you want to hear us Monday through Friday, five nights a week, and you want to continue to keep us on air. Subscribe to the archive. Grab a copy of one of my books. 
rdgable at yahoo.com, thesecretteachings.info, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and Twitter, tst underscore underscore radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to me rant. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. I hope you learned something tonight. If you have any questions, email us. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.